Thanks for listening to this sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. So this Advent, we're calling this uh, sermon series, Shaking the Box. And uh, because we're looking at the Old Testament scriptures, we're looking at the prophets and what they thought the Savior was going to be like. And it's almost like, you know, when you're a kid and Christmas is coming and the present is under the tree and you just want to know what's in there. And so sometimes you pick up the gift and you shake it and you try to figure out what's in there. So I've got actually got my wife to go and get me a present and put it in here. She actually let the kids pick it out. She took the kids to Dollar Tree and gave them the run of the place and said, get your dad a present. So God only knows what's in here. I don't. So I'm going to try to guess what is in there. Last week, I just kind of judged by the size. This week, I'm going to listen to it. It's really knocking around in there. I don't know. Maybe uh, I'm going to go Pez Dispenser. I don't know. It kind of feels like it's about roughly the size of a Pez dispenser, but we'll find out. I'm going to open it on Christmas Eve and see uh, what my kids got for me. So we have that to look forward to. (laughs) But today we're going to look at how Jeremiah shook the box. We're going to look at how Jeremiah anticipated a Savior, what kind of Savior he anticipated, and what that means for us. So today we're in Jeremiah chapter 33 verses 14 through 16. Here's what it says. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Y'all, sometimes Christmas and the Advent season are hard for us. Man, especially this year, I think... uh, there's a lot of hardship going around, a lot of hardness, a lot of loss that we've experienced. And sometimes it can be hard to pretend like everything's okay when everybody else seems to be celebrating and happy. When you're missing a loved one, but everyone else has theirs around, it just is that constant reminder of your loss. When all the other kids around you, your kids are getting all these cool presents and you can't afford to buy your kids anything, man, that can be tough. When you want to be happy and you want to put on a smile, but you've got something in your brain chemistry and your depression just won't let you do it. Christmas can be hard. Advent can be hard. And I think that if there's anybody that can relate to that feeling, it's probably Jeremiah. You see, Jeremiah was living in some of the toughest times that Israel ever had. 
he proposed this righteous branch to come from the line of David to save their people. But you may not know this about the scripture, but the line of David had gone pretty rotten by the time Jeremiah came along to prophesy. If you think America's leadership is messed up, wait till you hear about the kings of Israel that preceded Jeremiah, right? Because you had David, and David was, was good. We know about King David. He was a man after God's own heart. He was this righteous king, and even though he had some significant flaws, overall, he was faithful to God. He was Israel, Israel's platonic ideal of a king. When you think perfect king, your mind immediately goes to David, at least if you're an ancient Israelite. Then David had this son, Solomon. And Solomon was a pretty good king. Like, he strayed from God in some pretty significant ways, but overall, he kept the boat afloat and he kept it pointed in the right direction. But then as soon as David's grandson takes the throne, things go way off course. Rehoboam was David's grandson, and these two generations out from David, you get this huge bump. He's too prideful, and his pride and his arrogance led Israel to this huge civil war where the north and the south split, and the northern ten tribes of Israel never came back into the fold, and they ended up getting wiped out and lost to history. So two generations after David, the platonic ideal of the king, Rehoboam messes up so bad that ten-twelfths of the country just goes away. That's pretty bad, right? But it's not even as bad as it's going to get. Because after that is his son Ahaz. Ahaz refused to trust God and allied himself with the Assyrians, which in that time, that was pretty much the closest thing you could get to making a deal with the devil. The Assyrians helped him defeat his neighbors and then turned against him and conquered Israel. And the the Bible records Ahaz as being an evil king. Ahaz's son was named Hezekiah, and he was a reformer. He did pretty well. He kind of started steering the right direction, but he didn't last too long. Because then his son was named Manasseh. And Manasseh just flushed all his dad's reforms down the toilet and said, we're going back to idols, guys. So they went back to worshiping idols. And he actually persecuted the prophets who tried to tell him that he was messing up. His son was named Josiah. And overall, he was a pretty good king. He was a reformer. And so Jeremiah was born under and began his public ministry during King Josiah's reign. So we got like a a bright spot. But then his son was named Jehoahaz. He only lasted three months. And he disregarded all of Josiah's reforms and got deposed by Egypt. His son, Jehoiakim, he was known as a godless tyrant. And under his reign, uh, incest, rape, and murder reigned, and he was really far from God. He rejected all of Jeremiah's prophecies, and he killed prophets who had similar messages to Jeremiah. Then his son was named Zedekiah. And this is the reign in which 
Jeremiah writes this prophecy. Zedekiah was the king where the exile happened. The exile where, where the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem and scattered God's people to the wind. It happened on his watch. He did evil in the sight of God, and he ignored Jeremiah's advice. And he poked the bear of the Babylonians and turned on them. And Babylon put a siege on Jerusalem that lasted 30 months before he took Jerusalem, burned it to the ground, and exiled all survivors. And this passage, we think, was written in the middle of that 30-month siege. Over two years with your enemies knocking at your door, ready to kill you. Jeremiah was captured and imprisoned by this wicked king for sedition because he prophesied the word of God against him. So here Jeremiah is in captivity in a city under siege on the cusp of the exile, and it has to seem like it's the end of the Israelites as a country and as a people group. Y'all, it's about as low as you can get. The kings in David's line, in his lineage, had become so corrupt and so incompetent that they took this beautiful land that God gave them, this beautiful capital city that God had given them as an inheritance, and they threw it away. And if there was ever a person who had a right to be cynical about the leadership that he was under, it was Jeremiah. If there was ever a person whose circumstances should have led to him shaking the box of prophecy and saying, ain't nothing in here, guys. There's no hope. God cannot redeem this situation. It was Jeremiah. But instead, instead, Jeremiah wrote these words that we just read. I'm going to read them again. The days are surely coming, says the Lord when I will fulfill the promises I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. In the middle of the worst situation that he could have been in, Jeremiah was able to shake the box, to look forward to the gift that God had promised, and to prophesy a Savior. He saw what God would bring, the fulfillment of promises, a righteous branch that would redeem this garbage mess of David's legacy and a righteous Savior that would rescue the people who were under siege and about to be scattered to the wind. He had hope because he trusted in the promises of God over and against any circumstances that Zedekiah or Babylon could bring against him. And we know now that he was looking forward to Jesus. Even if he didn't know that he was looking forward to Jesus, he proposed a king that would sit on the throne forever. 
Jesus is that king, and we are living in that kingdom. Jesus was the righteous branch from the line of David. He is the Lord, our righteous Savior. He was that for Jeremiah looking forward, and he is that for us too. If Jeremiah can look at the circumstances surrounding him and have hope in God's promises, then so can I, and so can you. Y'all, I have this tendency towards cynicism. I know it. I am a pessimist, but really I'm a cynic. When I see evil and malice and incompetence in the world around me, it never surprises me. But I don't have much hope that it'll get better, usually. When I'm trying to make excuses for myself, I'm just like, I'm just a realist. I like about things the way they really are. Sarah Beth will tell you I'm not a realist. I'm a pessimist or a cynic. And if I was Jeremiah, if I was in that place, I would have sat in that cell and I would have written a bitter, cynical prophecy. My prophecy would not have said there's going to be a righteous hope from the branch of David. My prophecy would have said, I told you so. That's it. Taking the only pleasure that a cynic can really ever take, which is being right about how awful the world is. Sure, the whole nation of Israel is collapsing down around me and we're all going to die. But as we die, King, I just want you to know that I was right and you were wrong. That's what I would have said. But y'all, cynicism is this really corrupting influence on our souls. When we're cynical, all we want to do is sit back and be right. We're not motivated to go out into the world and try to make it a better place. Because when we lose hope that things can be better, we lose the motivation to try and make it better. When we're cynical, we forget the kind of God that we serve. We serve the kind of God who can take something corrupt and rotten like David's family tree and shoot off a righteous branch from it. We serve a God who keeps his promises. And like Jeremiah says over the next few verses, he did put a descendant of David on the throne of the kingdom forever. We serve a God who isn't surprised or overwhelmed by the evil in the world. He is stronger and better than the evil in the world. He can take the worst circumstances and work them out for good. We serve a God who isn't in any danger of being defeated or brought down. The gates of hell will not prevail against him, the scripture says. And it doesn't matter who's in office or how badly they mess things up. Jesus's gospel and Jesus's kingdom are not in danger of failure. The leadership of any nation is not a threat to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We serve a God who is righteous and who is in the salvation business. He came to this earth on a rescue mission 
not just for David's line, not just for David's people, but for the whole world through David's line and through David's people so that salvation might be for everyone. And this is what I love about Jeremiah. Jeremiah is not calling us to face Christmas this year with some kind of fakey Christmas cheer. He's not calling us to pretend like it's okay. Jeremiah knew that God's people were not okay, and he knew they wouldn't be okay for the foreseeable future. He's not, he's trying to get the king and he's trying to get other people to say, we are not okay. We're in a state of disobedience. We need to repent. We need to change. He spoke the truth about his dire situation and he did not sugarcoat it. But he also remained hopeful in God. He remained hopeful because he knew the character of the God that he served. He knew the promises that God had given, and he knew that a righteous Savior was on the horizon. I think today, Jeremiah is asking us to put our stake in the ground of God's promises, just like he did to refuse to stop believing that God will come through, to believe that God can redeem the worst circumstances. And not only can he, he will. Y'all, God's people had to wait. They had to endure 70 years of exile and then hundreds of years of waiting after that before Jesus came. But Jesus did come. In God's way and in God's time, God produced the righteous branch from the line of David. So my question for you today is, have you let the struggles of the past year turn you into a cynic? It's time to recover the hope that Jeremiah had. What is it that you need from God today that only God can do for you? What is it that you need from God today that a painted over smile cannot fix? What has been corrupted or rotten in your life that only Jesus can make right? What is it that you need our righteous Savior for? Because nothing is beyond God's ability to heal. Nothing is beyond God's ability to repair. And when things seem like they're the worst, when things seem like they're the most hopeless, that is when we need God to do what only God can do. So today, as I invite you to the table, we're going to take communion. We are going to receive the grace from God. And today, while you kneel, if there is something in your life that you have lost hope of, if there is something in your life that you need God to come through for you for, I want you to come and ask him for that at the altar. Recover hope that God can do anything. Let's pray. Oh, Father. I confess to you that I have been a cynic. 
I have lost hope sometimes. And Jesus, if Jeremiah can hope for a righteous branch from David's corrupted line, then I can hope that a righteous Savior will make a difference in my life. And Father, I pray now as we come to receive from you that you will show us who you are, show up at the table, and give us your hope this morning. In your name I pray, amen.